We're going to carry Dr. Russell Moore into the third segment. Uh, just a reminder, Dr. Russell Moore is the president of the Southern Baptist Ethics and Religious Commission. Welcome back to the show. What would you say to a Christian from a religious denomination that does not believe homosexuality is a sin? Well, uh, I, I suppose it would depend on uh, what kind of conversation we could have around the authority of Scripture and the historic uh, universal Christian uh, tradition, which is, is universally held to a sexual norm of male-female fidelity within the one-flesh union of marriage. And so we would, have to, we would have to come to some understanding of what that authority is. I would say, in agreement with, uh, in agreement really with, with 2,000 years of, of Christian teaching until some denominations very, very recently, uh, that, that's the, that that's the Christian norm. Found in numerous passages of Scripture, uh, in the words of Jesus himself, when he said uh, that from the beginning God created the male and female uh, to be joined together in a, in a union that cannot be torn asunder, uh, that pointing back to the text of Genesis. Yeah. And so that's, that's where I would have to stand on that. Okay. Um, with so many de- denominations affirming gay rights, is it hyperbole whenever a public speaker such as uh, Louis Galloway has to step down from a speaking engagement because others call his views anti-gay when there's plenty of church leaders that will step in and offer a non-judgmental view on that? Well, I wouldn't say that it's judgmental and, and non-judgmental. Uh-huh. Uh, I would say instead, if you say that Louis Giglio is not qualified to be in the public square and in the public space at all. What you're doing is not only uh, declaring uh, evangelical Christians to be outside of the orbit of the public square, you're also saying that Orthodox Jewish uh, people and Muslim uh, citizens, even the Dalai Lama, uh, disqualified uh, mm-hmm. from the public square, which I think is a, is a very dangerous uh, path to go. Uh, when it comes to, to Louis Giglio, for instance, I don't, I don't think Louis Giglio has a, a right to pray at the uh, president's inauguration. Uh, that's not the issue. The issue is when he is invited and then essentially disinvited because he holds to a view that uh, many people, uh, many religious people and, and, and some secular people hold to, and that is at the root foundation of many of the, the world's religions. Uh, I think that's, a, that's a, really the establishment of a, of a state religion. Uh, you're, you're welcome here as long as uh, you're really a liberal Episcopalian. And I, I, just, I think we ought to have, we ought to have a, bigger, a bigger space at the table than that in American democracy. Well, is that because the gay marriage issue is like at 45-55%, you know, 55 opposed, 45 in favor, roughly, and let's say 50 years from now, it becomes something where those types of views aren't held by anybody anymore? Would that person even be invited? And basically, is it too early on in the game to start disinviting people because of their views on gay marriage? Well, I I really, I wouldn't accept the premise of your question, because I think with something that, a definition of marriage that has persisted as long as this has, uh, I think there's more of a resilience there. Uh, so 50 years from now, who knows what we have in, in terms of a configuration in American society and, and world society. But I don't think that we have a situation in which a conjugal union, male-female, 
uh, marriage is is not held by anybody. So you see this as more of a Roe versus Way opinion, where it will kind of counterbalance back and forth. I think I do think we're going to have uh, an, an ongoing uh, conversation about this probably for a long time. Yeah. I saw this in Thea Nixon quote, uh, a friend posted on Facebook. Miss Nixon said, gay people who want to marry have no desire to redefine marriage in any way. When women got the right to vote, they did not redefine voting. When Africans Americans got a right to sit at the lunch counter alongside white people, they did not redefining eating out. They were simply invited to the table. Uh, so there's no struggle, civil rights struggle going on here? Well, I think that's the n- nature of the debate itself. Is is there anything unique about a male-female, lifelong, one-flesh union that is different than other relationships? I think that's the disagreement that we have. Yeah. And is there anything unique? I think there is, yes. Besides the uh, NZs and outsies? Oh, well, I think there is uh, a sexual complementarity that uh-huh. I think is uh, is essential to human flourishing, to the to the bringing forth of, of new life. I think there's something different uh, about mothers and fathers, uh, and something that's necessary uh, about both of those uh, okay. roles in the life of the next generation. And this is one of those questions I've always had for a religious leader uh, with your viewpoint. Um, uh-huh. In your ideal world, uh, what roles in society can LGBT people retain? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know what you mean by what can they retain. I, or attain. I think, uh, I think that LGBT people ought to be uh, welcomed at the table of American democracy, of course, as our fellow citizens and as our, our neighbors. And so I, I have uh, I have no no uh, desire at all to hinder or, or persecute or or uh, mistreat uh, in any way uh, my my LGBT uh, friends and neighbors. We we disagree uh, on this issue, uh, but uh, not not out of of any hostility. Yeah. What do you say to those that old saying? What was it like? Uh, Love the person, hate the sin. Yeah, well, I th- what I would say about that is a lot of times when people say that, they're assuming that Christians are saying LGBT people are sinners and we're not, and we're loving the uh, we're loving the sinners, but we're hating the sin. That's not really what evangelical Christians believe. Uh, we believe that all of us are sinners. All mm-hmm. of us are in need of redemption. That's one of the reasons the the writer Barry Hanna wrote one time. He said, "I love those old." Baptist uh, hymns, because they're always talking about uh, uh, being a wretch, uh, being a sinner, being a, a, a worm, or whatever the, the language is from those old Baptist hymns. He said, I find some hope in that, because it, it shows that all of us are broken, all of us are messed up, and uh, all of us are in need of, of forgiveness and mercy. And that's, that's what evangelical Christians believe. We believe that all of us, including and first and foremost ourselves, are people who are in need of a new start, new a new birth, a new a new step forward, and so we don't see we don't see people who disagree with us as being evil people or uh, in, in any way different than than we are when it comes to that need for mercy. Yeah, Amazing Grace is a song that comes to mind that has yeah. that theme. Yeah, um, that's one of the th- weird things that has happened in the last year is there's a big theme. I I don't didn't disclose this to you, but I do listen to a lot of Christian radio. Um, yeah. lo- our local station KKLA. Uh, the theme in the last year has been treating all sin as equal, not making gay sin you know above any others. Uh, why has that? kind of come into fashion? 
Well, I think that uh, I think that Christians have always held. I mean, you, you look at, uh, for instance, in Scripture, First Corinthians chapter six uh, deals with an entire list of of uh, ways that that we as sinners uh, violate God's law in terms of sexual morality, in terms of uh, in terms of all sorts of things uh, that happen. And the Apostle Paul writes and says to this group of Christians in Corinth, "So such were some of you." Uh, mm-hmm. But you were justified. You were washed. You, that, that's been the case from the very beginning. Uh, so the Christians are constantly being warned: don't look at someone else's point of vulnerability as as meaning that that person that you're somehow better than that person, or that you're you're at a, a more exalted place than that person. We're all sinners. We're all broken. We're all in need of God's grace and transformation. Yeah, let, you know, let's approach this from a scientific view just slightly for a bit here. What do you think of Dr. Kinsey and specifically his Kinsey scale? You know, I don't know. I think that uh, I think there were several aspects of Kinsey's research that have been since uh, largely discredited by, by people really across the ideological spectrum. I don't know about specifically the Kinsey scale uh, scientifically. Um, I, I don't know, but I don't think that would uh, that would really matter in the way that uh, either of us would see uh, would see people well, and, the, and, and treat people. The scale was basically zero to six. I think zero is I don't. It's arbitrary, but I think zero was completely heterosexual, and six was completely uh, homosexual, and then yeah. three was like bi, right down the center, and then yeah. two and one and two was shades of gayness and then on yeah. either and then I think four and five was the same way and that's what his findings were. Yeah, yeah. Well I'm not sure about the way that he uh the way that he, he, he laid that out in, uh-huh. in terms of statistically. But certainly, yeah, I think there's a there's a, a huge uh, diversity uh when it comes to people's experiences in terms of sexuality. I think that's clear. Yeah, yeah. So if you're just joining us, our guest right now is Dr. Russell Moore, who is president of the Southern Baptist Ethics and Religious Commission. Um, I want to thank Dr. Moore again for being on the show. Um, what's it, what about the studies that takes a group of allegedly heterosexual men and separates them into two groups, one being the homophobic one, the second one being those groups of men who are comfortable with gay men? Uh, the second stage of this uh, study is always they show both groups of men three sets of porn, straight sex, lesbian sex, and gay sex. The homophobic men tend to have erected male parts after the gay sex, while the, hel- the heterosexual men that accept gay people do not. Uh, what do you explain those results? I, I'm not familiar enough with that study to oh, really okay. be able to speak to it. All right. Um, so my another question I do have that I've been always wanting to ask um, a guest like yourself if I remember correctly, um, from Sunday school classes, isn't Christianity ideally a, a religion based on caring for the marginalized and loving thy yes. neighbor? Yes. And and with that said, no one has been more marginalized in the last 30 years than gay people. So mm-hmm. why not let them get married? But maybe just not in your church. Well, because I, 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 we, we, wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't agree with the premise that this is marriage. I mean, that, that it's a it's fundamentally a definitional issue. Okay. Uh, we we don't think. Uh, we definitely think that we need to stop uh, any sort of bullying against uh, gay and lesbian and bisexual and transgender persons. Uh, we ought to uh, stand uh, speak out against uh, any sort of uh, name calling or mistreatment uh, against our neighbors. 
uh, in in the uh, LGBT community. But that, that doesn't mean that we can say, uh, let's just expand our definition of marriage into into something entirely different. We, we have a we have an understanding of marriage uh, in which there's something intrinsic about that male female uh, relationship. That it's, it's not a matter of that we don't uh, we want to keep it away from people. It's that this is what we believe the definition is, and we believe that that's important. Okay. So um, I appreciate your candor and agreeing to disagree and not raising voices. That's really awesome. Um, I'm going to start closing out. Um, aside from gay marriage completely, should the Bible or could the Bible be read as parables, like little stories of truth of, of, of life, rather than taking literally, um, for example, a story about Adam and Eve could be not just about a man giving him temptation and ruining paradise on earth, but also temptation in general. So you can read it as, don't spend too much money at Amoeba Records, for example. Mm-hmm. Well, what I, what I would say is, reading the Bible literally, uh, no one believes in reading the Bible literally. We believe in reading the Bible in terms of uh, textually, what, what the Bible actually is. Okay. So the Bible includes uh, parables. Jesus uh, teaches in parables. Uh, we interpret those according to the genre in which they are. But the Bible also includes history uh, and, and claims uh, as an authority, uh, what it claims to be is the Word of God, to be giving truthful historical facts. And the Christian religion is grounded in that history, that there, there actually was a crucifixion and a resurrection from the dead, that the, that the history of Israel is a truthful history that God is giving to us. And so we receive that as historical uh, data given to us with the authority of God himself. Yeah. And as far as historical data, this is just an odd question I just thought of. Um, those, those TV series I see on TVN about finding Noah's Ark, that's like Area 51, right? No Noah's Ark has been found yet? No, no Noah's Ark has been found. <laughs> okay. I don't know anything about right. All right. Awesome. Um, although you're, we disagree, you're a fascinating man, and I'd love to talk to you again. Um, one of the things that you wrote that caught my eye was the slide from Francis uh, Schaefer to Glenn Beck. And, you know, the other thing we might talk about is uh, your cross in the jukebox series. Um, I'd love to have you back sometime. Sure. I've enjoyed talking with you, Heather. I'd be glad to anytime. Okay. Uh, that My guest has been Dr. Russell Moore. He's the president of uh, the Southern Baptist and Ethics and Religious Commission. This is the Heather McCoy Show.